Welcome to the Kevin and Philip Project, a podcast with two guys who love to eat, travel, talk sports, and have no idea how to raise teenage girls. Coming to you live from Salina, Kansas. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Philip. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us again and listening to episode number six. If you, if you follow us on Facebook, you know that this week we received our third microphone. And I was actually going to wait till the next podcast to have a guest on here with us. But but we have a special treat for you. Yeah, plans changed last night over a couple of frosty beverages <laughs> from what I understand. But uh, we got somebody that's, uh, I guess, not from Salina, but lived in Salina for quite some time. I think uh, kind of a recurring theme here, but met at Ambucks, I would say. Is that right? I you mean, that's, I think that's where I met you, and yep. so that's what we've we've talked about on our last couple of podcasts. Ninety percent of the people we know came through Ambucks. And yep. So Ambucks softball turned into golf. Sounds familiar. I think we've had this story before. Yep. So hey, we're gonna welcome Paul in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Paul? All right, guys. Well, hey, first off, it's a pleasure to be here and be your first guest on the on the podcast. Uh, yeah. So I'm a native Arkansan. Uh, moved up here in 2006, spent 12 glorious years here, and uh, about a year and a half ago, I felt like it was uh, time to go home, but uh, still still have a lot of good relationships here and enjoy coming back and seeing all the good people, my friends in Salina, and I'm just uh, just glad to be here. Well, good to have you. If, we, if we're going to have first guests, we might as well have a hog with us. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's great. Yeah, we'll get into that here. We'll, we'll go, we go, we try to talk about it every week, maybe the crazy story of the week. And I, I don't know if this will get right into sports right away, but my crazy story of the week. Um, I've traveled 2,400 miles since we last talked to you guys. And during that 2,400 miles, I had this uh, thing that I thought um, that Oklahoma could win a bowl game. So really? that's my crazy story of the <laughs> that week. That is crazy. crazy story of the week. Even went to uh, went to Gulfport, Mississippi, to the uh, to a casino, and even put money on the Sooners. So uh, not only was my heart in it, my money was in it, and uh, what a crazy story! I think and now in the now I, th- I think I looked up our record in the, since since we won the national championship in two thousand. We are nine and eleven in bowl games since then. Not great. You've been to twenty bowl games, though. Twenty bowl games—that's that's <laughs> wonderful. But and some of the ones, some of the eleven that we lost. Let me start making excuses here. Uh, we're against top tier, like LSU. I think is the best. They're unbelievable. The way we, they they scorched us like you can't. Just it, it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing. You know, I'll tell you what. Watching that game, I was watch obviously watched that game. Watched the uh, the other one later in the evening with Clemson and Ohio State the other night. Man, it, it, it's hard. You know, we get sucked in watching Big 12 football. And you watch right. all these Big 12 teams play against each other. And, you know, outside of a couple teams, it's all pretty competitive games. And you right. get to thinking, man, this is some good football. But I'm telling you right now, watching that Clemson-Ohio State game, that's on a completely different level than yep, the Big 12. They're, they're all on a different level. The Big 12 recruits towards speed. And speed does not match up when it comes to brute knock your ass on the ground strength that LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson has. We just don't match up. I mean, you can't take a 5'10 defensive back and play against a 6'4 wide receiver, and we try doing it. We can do it in our league because it's a speed league. You can't do it against the big boys. It was we're a, evidently not big boys. Paul, you, tell us how great Arkansas is fixing to be. Man, <laughs> we're going to be awesome. I've got uh, big hopes and dreams. But, you know, you talk about your record at, at OU and bowl games and stuff. Try being an Arkansas fan for the last three or four years and going through some of these seasons and and uh, we've definitely had our challenges but we've made some uh I think we made a good hire at head coach and yeah Kansas a, ties with him yeah yeah he he coached coached at uh Hutch Juco for uh for a short stint and then uh moved around the league a little bit but you know he did he did one of the best things ever and I think that's bringing on a great uh defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator and uh it, it, I'd say it's positive and they still got some real good uh recruiting assistant coach up coaches up there so they're they're gonna go i think they're gonna at least go 500 this year well i did see that uh the the one quarterback recruit which was the coach's ex-coach's son uh decommitted and committed to ou so now they got a five-star and two four-star quarterbacks in the last three recruiting classes and so what we'll share that mordecai mordecai the backup uh 
will be in the transfer portal by uh, by by the end of January. West Virginia is looking for a quarterback. And that, again. that's I, you look at their names on the list. I saw a funny little thing on the on ESPN, and they they had the quarterbacks coming in and going out of the room. I don't know if you guys saw it as a little deal where they had the all the quarterbacks that transferred around and where they were yeah. and where they're at now. And so three of the four guys that were playing, I think, outside of the Clemson quarterback, all of them were guys that come from the transfer portal. Which you know what, in the end. I think the transfer thing is a great deal for college football and great deal for kids that uh, you just think years ago whenever uh, I used to hear that, you know, unlimited recruiting. You could have 110 scholarship players on the sideline. I Barry Switzer used to say that he had the first and second team standing on the sideline of the old Big 8, and that's probably true, the way they recruited. And so you had kids that never even got a chance to play their whole career because they were backups, unless somebody got hurt. Now, now you go – you can sign with somebody, never get to play, and go somewhere else. I, I think it's a great deal. It is, but, you know, one of the things that I would say is somewhat troubling is when the kids' feelings get a little bit hurt. Yeah. When they underperform or they <laughs> don't work hard and they're figure, they, in their mind they're they're the best on the field, and I appreciate the ego, but they're just – I think I think some of these kids are a little too sensitive. Yep. And instead of working hard and trying to get that spot back – they feel like it's easier just to go into that portal and go down to a smaller school or a different conference and, and try to go compete. Do you ever think there's some coaching mistake? I mean, you can look at two kids out there and go, he's the best or he's the best. And uh, if you was go back Cliff Clingsbury, pretty tough call. Patrick Mahomes or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's a decision that's pretty, I'd love to have pretty, every year. Pretty tough right. call right there. So, Baker leaving, I don't blame Baker for transferring to Oklahoma. I don't blame Kyler. Kyler left Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. Jalen left Alabama. The, our last three quarterbacks, we'll finally have our first quarterback that we actually recruited in the last seven years. <laughs> well, we we played, I think, with, with five or six quarterbacks this year, and then we lost to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky's quarterback – left Arkansas last year, got into the transfer portal because, you know, our, our former coach brought in some of his kids from SMU, and uh, he comes in to our house, I think on senior day in Fayetteville, and whoops us. <laughs> Makes you feel good about being a hog, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that was very humbling. Well, yeah, we just kind of jumped right into sports. So, hey, yeah. we're Anything recording this. Talk about? Yep, we're recording this Saturday morning. Uh, it's probably about 10.45 or so. So we got an hour and 15 minutes until K-State OU tips for the first time this season. Nice. I saw just on Twitter this morning we're breaking out the new black uniforms for this game. So that'll that'll be interesting. They look pretty sweet. I like them a lot better than the previous ones. But uh, you got any predictions on the game today, Philip? You been watching any basketball at, at all? At K-State? No, it's in Norman today. Oh, it is. Yep. We have a chance. <laughs> Won't be much of a we crowd. Well, a it might be Saturday. Be, no, the, the – if, you, if anybody's ever been to Lloyd Noble, it is the worst basketball arena in – has to be in the Big 12, and it could be in the country. It's just a horrible basketball arena to watch. You, you it's, it's got a kind of a circus feel. You're way back away from the, the – the fans are way back away. The fans set on their hands. It's a mostly older crowd. I bought my mom season tickets for five or six years, and uh, Lisa's mom and dad have season tickets. And every now and then we would go and uh, – the crowd is, I would say, 60-plus for the most part and get upset if you stand up. You know, if you stand up and cheer, they'll all start hollering, sit down, sit down. <laughs> so, you know, unless you have a dynamic player, like Buddy Hill brought out the fans and brought out some young people, unless you have that, the, the fan base is just horrible. Yeah, the uh, couple of games I've been there, the thing that surprises me the most is how small the student section is. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't been to a lot of basketball mm -hmm. arenas like I have football from a Big 12 standpoint, but uh, – uh, you know, been to Norman, been to Stillwater, been to Lawrence, you know, some of the more closer ones, and by far probably the smallest student section of any of the uh, any of the arenas I've been to. Yeah, and I think it comes down to because the the uh, the arena's off campus. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. I mean, it's, it's a it's about a mile walk from the campus. There's no bars around there close by. There's no you know, if you if you go to Stillwater, the great crowd they can walk right out the back door and be be a, at a, a pub or something and kids love it but they, they don't love coming to OU well and, and I mean we can't argue the fact that OU is a football school right right I mean you know there, there's a reason why you but know I think Kansas has such a four more times in the last 10 years than KU has 
As many, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's interesting, too, because KU plays West Virginia today, and I don't know if that's in Lawrence or, or Morgantown. I think it's in Morgantown, but I'm not sure of that. I love watching old Huggy go to, to Lawrence with those bruiser West Virginia teams and play KU and just frustrate the hell out of them. Yep. So yep. That, that'll be interesting. We'll see if West Virginia's legit. I mean, they're, I think they're top 15 team right now. I mean, I don't know that they maybe lost a game or something like that, but uh, well, we'll see if they're seven, legit. Five, oh, uh, we're terrible they, this year. No, this we're, we're, I would say, probably fighting TCU and maybe Iowa State for the bottom of the conference this year. They've got some good recruits coming in, but – it's going to be a. I mean, they just don't have a leader. They don't have somebody who can just step up and and hit a shot when you need it. And we do have a couple of guys coming back from one from injury, one from illness. Some big guys. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, just no no inside play at all. So shoot, they shoot forty threes a game. If we make thirty of them, we're going to win. If we make eight of them, we're going to lose. And that's pretty much the story of K State. I'm, I'm taking OU by six today. That's what I think is going to happen. Well, since it's in Norman, I would think they'll win. But did you know since Long Kruger's hired at Oklahoma, he's been there, what, quite a few years now? Probably seven or eight years, I would expect. He's never won a game in the state of Kansas. Wow. Never came here and won. I always think he gives them away. He's had better teams several times, you know. I thought I thought the Buddy Hill team was definitely better than K-State. Comes up here and just got drummed, just got hammered. But I always think, well, he's just losing for the home crowd. He still loves them. Well, I tell you what, Arkansas, we – our first year coach this year, uh, we brought in. He's eleven and one. Now we're unranked because m- majority of that schedule has been to uh, uh, definitely some lesser schools, smaller conferences. Our big win this year to date is um, against Indiana in Indiana, and we've got A and M today. And it, you know, because of the the rivalry there, the Texas school and the Arkansas school, it'll be close. But but uh, I'm kind of like you, Kevin. I'm, I'm I'm looking at a five to six point win. Our big win this season is Tulsa. We finally beat Tulsa after three years. <laughs> Isn't it funny how Tulsa can be uh, as good as they are year after year? Yeah. I mean, in football, they've struggled the last couple of years, but normally they're pretty pretty solid for a small private school. And you drive by there and you think, well, this school's not much bigger than Kansas Wesleyan. It doesn't look like, you know, appearance-wise. But just they just do a great job. Yeah, I think I read this morning that uh, – Weber was eleven and four all time against Kruger head to head coaching. I don't know if that uh had any like Florida, Illinois games or anything like that, but he's he's done pretty well against old Lon. Yeah. And I'm finally getting to the point where I can cheer against Lon. It was hard for a while. See him on the sidelines over there and in, in Maroon, but uh I'm getting to the point now where I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was just telling and I I'm gonna get away from sports for just a minute. And Paul and I were talking about this last night, and I said that I drove 2,400 miles. So I went down to the great south, um, southern United States. Went down to through uh, went down to Dallas for a night, and then drove over to Vicksburg, Mississippi. Went from Vicksburg, went and played on a riverboat. Uh, went from Vicksburg, went down to Gulfport, Biloxi, down there. But what me and Paul were talking about, and something that Kevin really likes, the food down there is just unbelievable. Oh yeah. I, I would do the whole trip again just to get to go eat again. Just to go eat. Uh, we, we we ate one time. We went to this place in uh, Natchitoches, Louisiana, uh, called Mama's Oyster Bar, and they had a cream, uh, just a chip dip. Yeah. And you think, well, what's the big deal about a chip dip? It's full of crawfish and crab meat and cheese, and they make their own homemade chips and everything. Unbelievable! How good that. Food I don't think was. I'm going to be able to edit that out. <clears throat> That's all right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that you're right. You you get down south and especially around those bayous and on the coastal states, they put so much pride into their food. And I mean, it, I'm like you. I, I would I would take a day trip to go down to Louisiana just to get some good, authentic Cajun food because I'm, it's it's hard to beat. I'm going to New Orleans at the end of the month, and I'm only going there to eat and drink. I don't even know what else I'm going to do, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm going to do both of those. Well, the, the, um, we went to New Orleans, too. I didn't bring that up. We went to New Orleans for uh, two days <clears throat> during this trip. But the food in New Orleans was unbelievable. And, and I can't even tell you what I eat. I'll just go in there and say, give me the uh, Cajun delight. And they, just, and they just bring you out potatoes and sausage and crawfish tails and, and yeah. uh, etouffee and all that kind of – and it's just – And a big old bib. Uh, just unbelievable. I, did, I eat with my hands. And one day I just went in there and I said – I just want whatever the 
whatever the cook is best at. And she goes, he's good at reds. They bring me out these red crawfish. And, of course, it was made up kind of like a crawfish bull. You know, they put the potatoes on the plate. The hush puppies were hush puppies were as big as a uh, almost as big as a tennis ball. And when you bite into them, I mean, it's three bite, three bite hush puppy. That's easy to bite into and dip a little bit of their homemade tartar sauce in it. And I'm telling you, I could go back tomorrow. Better than Long John Silver's? Better than Long John Silver's. <laughs> I mean, I literally can go down there with, you know, whether it's crab, peel them and eat them, shrimp, crawfish, and the corn and potatoes like you were talking about, and leave there looking like a three-year-old at a birthday party. <laughs> yep. I even made the girls eat some alligator. Oh, made, yeah. them, made them try a little bit of everything. Had some, what, what was I eating last night? Uh, don't want to brag on this too much. Oh, quail eggs. Quail pickled, eggs. Pickled, pickled quail eggs. Spicy oh. quail eggs. And jalapenos Man. and red sauce. And it, it and they were made right down appealing. in the bayou. It doesn't look very <laughs> appealing, but I, I did I did try one, and uh, it was it was just spicy enough, and, and it was actually pretty good. Yeah, those eggs are good. Who would think? But I, I don't know who's out harvesting quail eggs. I don't even know there were very many quail around anymore, but they're good. So what was the one best thing you had on the trip? Food wise, the best food I had was in Natchitoches, and it was called a, uh, it was called a, uh, and I've actually got their menu pulled up right here, but it was called something like that, like a, like a, uh, crawfish delight. So that was number one, se- number one by far, and it was the last day of the trip. Now there was also there were some good places. There's a, there's, there's a real good place in Gulfport um, called Felix's Oyster Bar, and they had really good uh, crawfish. But I I think I ate a few crawfish and some shrimp. And their their specialty is their oysters. I I didn't don't know how to order oysters that well, and I ordered some that had melted mozzarella cheese over the top of them. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have just had. I'd I'd rather just have the oysters and put the hot sauce and stuff on it. Well, that's one of the things I've heard about, and I'm, I was kind of excited to try. I mean, I've had what was it oysters, uh, Rockefeller, and obviously mm-hmm. raw oysters, but. All the different ways they make them, like every place that specializes in oysters has their deal where they have like six or eight different ones, right. and you get to try them all. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm going to eat a lot of oysters when yep, I'm down there. They're good. They're good. I, just did, I wasn't smart enough to know how to order them right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been on a trip somewhere, and you're going to try one of the local places, and you go in there and you eat, and it's so fantastic, where you're sitting around the very next day, and you're like, man, what do I want to eat? And you're like, heck, I'm going back there. <laughs> yep. It was awesome. Why would I? Why would I mess that up? But and I've done that, and but no, that food that food down there in the south, and like I said, along those bayous and and the coastal states, that's hard to beat. It's like you said; I think they take a certain pride in their food. Now, there's Absolutely. another thing too. I drove through there, and I, I, you know, you always think of Louisiana as maybe a poor state, and uh, we we went did a bunch of little day trips and just went off the beaten path and drove down to some of those old plantation homes and things like that. But the homes down there are just beautiful, big old beautiful homes. Everywhere we went was just the biggest, prettiest houses. And I said, "What's that house going for?" And he'd go, "Oh, about three hundred thousand." We had a guide one day. Oh, about three hundred. I said, three hundred thousand, my lord, that wouldn't even get you warmed up and slina. And these things are just <laughs> unbelievable. So, uh, the, it, but also we did a we did one day a swamp tour. You ever heard of the Honey Island Swamp where the Bigfoot was filmed years ago? Nope. Uh, it's it's. It, there's documentary if you ever watch that if one. you believe in bigfoot which i do big believer in bigfoot um the honey island swamp the guy filmed him walking through the swamp one day you know but anyway we went and toured the swamp on one of those flat bottom boats and so we went down I'm talking about the nice houses but the river houses that were right on the side of the river the swamp houses that people actually live in that's something that everybody ought to go see one time yeah <laughs> hey i'd like to have a little fishing hut down there <laughs> And it'd be nice, man. It'd be beautiful. And they all had their LSU gear on, all of them. Tiger bait, tiger bait, tiger bait. I was like, get out. <laughs> Doug wore his OU clothes, and the minute we walk up to the store, they say, oh, here comes some tiger bait. Uh-huh. I, I'm thinking I'm thinking you planned the trip. The, the, uh, time, the time was a little bit off. Just I told case. you the crazy story. I thought we were going to win. Right. Well, so uh, for, for our loyal listeners out there, uh, you've noticed that this is nothing like previous podcasts, so we usually have an outline that we go by. Um, we do not have that today. So between Philip's trip, uh, I had a little stomach flu, so I was put out. But uh, the other thing is, I well, I'm in the I'm in the industry. I, one of the big products we sell is is backup and recovery of data, and so I had all these notes for my for our podcast, all these ideas, all these outlines, all that kind of stuff on a USB key. 
And multiple times I sat in, in front of my computer thinking I should back that up. I never did. Yeah. It's all Japanese characters now, and I can't figure out, so it's trash. So there's hours worth of work that uh, I basically just threw away. So we're winging it today. There's there's not really any outline whatsoever. Well, Paul's um, our special guest. Let's let him tell a little bit about Arkansas, where he lives. Because we talk about that good food in the South. Arkansas is right on the edge of getting good at food. I don't is. know that I brag on it as much as I do Louisiana food, but I like it down there around hot springs and just tell us where you're living right now and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Arkansas is a – I mean, one of the things – I mean, it's a natural state. It's a it's a beautiful piece of our country, that's for sure. But I live right in the central part of Arkansas in Little Rock. And then uh, you mentioned Hot Springs. So I'm about 60 miles from Hot Springs and uh, some of the nicest lakes you could ever see in the world, I mean, in, in my opinion. And um, – We've got a our, my family's got a place down there on, on Hot Springs, and so we spend a fair amount of time there, especially in the spring and summer, fishing and boating and everything. But no, it it, um, it, it was good to go back home um, when I moved up here. You know, uh, I had a had an eye opening, I'd say, experience and and really appreciation for where I came from, uh, and I think a lot of us we if you if you grew up in one town, you lived there your whole life, you you know, you always say, man, there's nothing to do in this town or what do I do? I mean, but realistically, you know, each town has its own character and, uh, you, you miss it genu- genuinely. And, uh, just like I miss Salina, uh, but, but no, the, uh, you know, I'm two hours from Memphis, you know, I'm two hours from Louisiana, uh, five hours from Dallas. Uh, but I've got a lot right there in a hundred mile radius, you know, within the borders of Arkansas that, that I love and and the mountains like racetrack got the racetrack got the horse, horse track. track yeah we passed a uh passed a casino bill a while back and and so they're expanding the uh the casino at the horse track in Hot Springs and they're also building I think three more casinos in Arkansas that are going to be Vegas style casinos so uh, all real cars live action mm-hmm. and everything like that and uh cuz we had a lot of people going into Oklahoma Louisiana and some of the other uh surrounding states and and if that's what they enjoy doing uh, they were taking those dollars somewhere else and the tax benefits and stuff like that but uh, but no it is it's it's a it's a great place and and uh, like I said it's from the rivers and mountains and biking and you just got a lot of things there that I think is appealing to most people well I think uh I I don't it's been a long time since I've been to hot springs I've been there a couple times on the lake there but uh, I think it's pretty clear isn't I mean I know there's other lakes where a lot of people go do scuba diving certification stuff like that yeah so in hot springs you've got uh the the largest lake is uh, Lake Mm Washita that I think is by far the clearest lake in the state and um a lot of uh a lot of scuba diving my brother actually dives there and then uh you've got uh, Lake Hamilton which is the lake that we're on and it's more of a it's more of a residential lake it's a good sized lake but you've got homes that start at 120,000 and go up to 3 million dollars and if you're looking for a party that's where you go <laughs> yeah, I mean I've, we've talked about VRBOing and uh right. I VRBO'd a, a home mm, I think maybe last summer on Lake Hamilton right. and it's beautiful oh yeah and the I mean the sunsets on that lake mm-hmm. um are are fantastic but but yeah, it's nothing to see, you know, you pull back in a cove and you've got, you know, twenty, ninety thousand dollar ski boats and yep. and bass boats and everything. Everybody hanging out, having a good time. But um the lakes are I, I'd say between Washington and Hamilton there there's some different characteristics there, but uh both beautiful and, and then we've you know, in Hot Springs we got Hot Springs Village and that is a uh retirement community that has some of the nicest championship golf courses you'll you'll find and they're they're all right there in a uh, pretty confined area but uh the the landscape and i mean it's 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 beautiful and they're challenging and uh some of them are private some of them are semi-private uh courses but um yeah it's you've got a lot to do in that area that's for sure yep if anybody's never been to Little Rock, it's it's worth just for the drive down there. The drive is beautiful, going through that Wachita Forest and getting into even all the way back to the Arkansas line and then southeastern Oklahoma. It's just a beautiful drive. It's one of my favorite places to go in the country. We've we've somebody's asked on Facebook. I think my friend Justin Lewis asked one day, "Why don't we talk a little bit about the lake?" Now that Paul's brought that up, I don't want to get into it yet because it's not lake season yet. 
But I'm telling you, a few years back, I never knew I was a lake person. Never knew it. Yeah. Grew up my whole life. Hardly ever went to the lake. Got the bug about eight years ago, and I'm telling you, if I could move anywhere in the world, I'd move on to a lake. I just love it. I go to Grand Lake every uh, every weekend to get a chance. We've got an RV down there, and I got a boat down there, and uh, and um, I can't hardly wait to get back. I just I hate winter just because I start thinking, man, I bet my boat's missing me. There's something about being on the water. And I just love it. Yeah. No, I, I I like I like waking up and first thing in the morning and just looking out over the water, having some coffee, and then loading up in the boat and going fishing and. You know, some days I catch some, some days I don't, but at the end of the day, I'm good. I hardly do ever do any fishing. My boat is not a fishing boat. It's more of a kind of a little ski boat, but um, I like just trolling around in the water at 15 miles an hour, just putting around the lake, looking at all the homes on the lakes and watching the You and my dad would get down. along well then. <laughs> I like going fast, too. <laughs> they like taking those sunset cruises. Yes. Get on the party oh, it's barge a lot of and just fun. drive around. A lot of fun if you're on another guy's boat. It's even exactly. more funner. That's his gas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I yeah, have my, no interest in owning a boat. Uh, you know, um, Lisa's got a cousin, is Brad, and he's good. we've become good friends. And Brad's got a really nice boat. And uh, he likes to captain and drive slow. And his boat is nice enough that we can all stretch out a little bit. So I like just getting on Brad's boat and burning his gas. There you go. When gas is two twenty five at the pump, it's about four twenty five on the lake. So somebody else's boat's always wonderful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're a little over halfway through here. Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about today, and and since Paul uh, has has been in Salina for almost a decade, I guess. Let, want to talk a little bit about Salina. You can try to get some Salina people. It's kind of funny. Um, we had a conversation last night uh, before you guys saw Jimmy. I was with Jimmy. <laughs> we he he, Sorry he, he said I was he said I was going to be mean on this podcast today. Yeah. But uh, so I, I guess I'll start out by saying this. And we 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 talked at other podcasts about having this conversation, and and we started going down this road, and then we'd stop it, but. We're talking about food today. Let's start there. If you're going to pick any restaurant in Salina that you're going to go to eat dinner at tonight, what would you pick? I'm going to see my buddy Jason at Dimeru. What do you think? I probably, I like steak. I probably go Tucson's. Tucson's. Okay. Both very good choices. Top of my list, too. I'd, I'd have to choose between those two. I mean, it, so it sounds like it's pretty, pretty unanimous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything against Martinelli's. I like it real well too, but I I think I would rather have a steak than spaghetti. Yeah. No. Have you had the steaks at Martinelli's? No, I hear they're really good. They are. I Very have. Good. I've I've had the I've had the fillet there. It is pretty awesome. Um, yeah. No, I'm, I'm and I'm with you, Philip. I mean, it's hard to beat Damaru. Tucson's probably be my second, and Martinelli's probably be my third. You know, one we won't be going to. Which is pretty good. What's that? I always thought it was pretty good. Rib crib. Rib crib. <laughs> Can you believe it shut down? Well, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I saw. I have that. no idea why. And I've hear. Have you ever gone there? Oh yeah, I like it. Okay. Well, because I hear a lot of people say that, and I'll tell you why. I, I I'll tell you exactly why. So I went there three times, and and I'm in sales at work. So we have, and and well, I guess yeah. all of us are kind all of, of in, sales in sales in a way. Yeah. Um. I was I was just reading a report here a couple months ago we were talking about at work because 85% of your customers and potential customers will not come to you after one bad experience. Mm-hmm. Salina is a, you know, obviously a, a smaller community and if you're in a big city you have a lot more options than you have right. in Salina. So, I went to Rib Crib 3 times for dinner. Lunch, I've been there a couple times, had some customers, went to lunch, and, and had no problems from a lunch standpoint. But nobody makes money on lunch. Three times. Twice, they were out of ribs. <laughs> at rib crib. Rib crib. It's in the uh, damn name. Uh, yeah. um, Kelly and I went one time. I went to order ribs. just Saturday night, 6, 7 o'clock-ish. Went to order ribs. No ribs. I don't remember what we ordered that night. I moved the table tent cockroach goes running across the table I'm like mm. yeah probably not coming back to this place but there was one time there was a group of 10 and it, it was uh wilson's burt's I, I was there i think kelly kelly was not with us a couple kids and and olmsteads <laughs> they were they were out of miller light to start with oh, you can no. imagine what that group what yeah what they, that ended up that check please yeah that was going to be <laughs> ugly from that point on. 
but how, how do you run out of Miller Lite on a Saturday night in Salina, Kansas? But they're out of Miller Lite. They're out of ribs. They were out of turkey. They were out of sausage. It, it was brutal, absolutely brutal. And and I'll tell you this: I'm a rib crib fan. I, yep. I travel a lot to Oklahoma for work. They're based out of Tulsa. They're all over the place. Yep. Uh, Oral Roberts University is a customer of mine. And whenever we go to lunch, that's they want to go to rib crib. Fabulous. The rib cribs down in Oklahoma are excellent. I just wonder if it is just too far on the outstretches and it just didn't get serviced right. Well, you couldn't find good managers. Maybe. I think I, I think that's the key yeah, right there. You, yeah. you, in the in the restaurant business, I mean, you've got to have the right person running the kitchen, the right person running the front, because it is about the planning, especially when you're in the barbecue business, because it takes so long to produce the product. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be good at the planning and the management of, of, of your kitchen because if if your food is not available, number one, you're, you're losing business. Yep. If your food is not satisfactory and, and to the standard that you've put out there, you're going to lose business. And and so it takes the right the right person back there running the kitchen to, to keep the doors open at the end of the day. Yeah, you can't be called a rib crib and run out of ribs on a regular basis. No. That's the problem. Didn't a chicken place start running out of chicken <laughs> not too long ago? That's I I think it's a funny story which I love the lady, love Jim's chicken, um, lady that runs it's the nicest lady in town but it's still kind of funny we went one Sunday afternoon, and uh, when we went in they said and this has been almost a year ago probably and I've been back many many times since but whenever I went in we went in for the Sunday lunch rush you know right after church, yeah. uh, they said we're out of chicken, and I said aren't you Jim's chicken? Well. We're Jim's everything else today. Yeah, they're right. they're yep yeah, everything. But Jim's chicken, I really like eating there, man. That is oh, good chicken. It is. Jim's and chicken that'd is be good. another place that I'd pick, and if I was in the mood for chicken. And the salad bar doesn't have a lot to it, but I mean, it's, it's always it's good. good, fresh yeah. food. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, I, I mean I'll be honest with you, and and it got, kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with people taking pride. I, I just there's a lot of restaurants here in town. Martinelli's, for example, I I, I personally. I would say the food is average, but the service there is excellent. Yep. Oh, and yeah. you can tell that the people that are running that restaurant and work there take pride in that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way for some of these places where you get rib crib, where you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even throw Longhorns into this because I've eaten at Longhorns in Topeka and other places, mm-hmm. and they're great. And in my opinion, this Longhorns here in Salina is terrible. But I, I think it goes to that same fact that it's the same people that kind of go from restaurant to restaurant. They don't take pride in what they're doing, and you can tell when you walk into those places. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tell when you go in at Martinelli's. Tony runs his business. Absolutely. And so, you, you know, he makes sure that everything is right. right. And, and you can go in there at noon and Tony's there. You go there at 10 o'clock at night, Tony's there. He must live down there. Quit working so hard, Tony, and start listening to us a little bit. Well, we're talking about Diamond Rue, too. I mean, we're talking the same yeah. thing. Jason's there yeah, all the time. There. I th- oh, you yeah. have to. I, you know, I've, I may have told you this before, but I grew up in the restaurant business. That's what my parents did for a living the whole time I was growing up to, till I was in my mid-20s whenever they finally sold it. And uh, my dad started making biscuits at 5.30 every morning. 5.30 in the morning. you got to have biscuits and gravy because – and start the sausage cooking because whenever the breakfast crowd walks in, they want to smell that sausage, oh, yeah. you know, already cooking on and the bacon. grill. And uh, and he would shut the thing down at 9 o'clock every night. I mean, basically, we I think we closed on, what's the restaurant closing day? Monday or Tuesdays? I can't remember. I think we might have closed on Mondays. Yeah, yeah. usually I think. Um, but we were six days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, only other day we closed early was on uh, church after church. We just did a lunch buffet. And then closed about three o'clock on Sundays. But my dad basically lived there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I got a lot of respect for those uh, those guys and gals who own the restaurants have been making it work for years. Because if you've never been in the business, whether from a cook or a server, it, it's a tough it's a tough business. Oh yeah, and and especially to have a successful one that's long standing like the Dimeroos and the Martinellis of the world, and and uh, so no, those those folks are working hard, and and like I said, it it does take that continuous finger on the pulse yep. if you will to to make sure that you've got the food coming out right the drinks coming out right and at the end of the day your 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 patrons are being taken care of you know one of the things that oklahoma uh, is famous for as far as food goes is their chicken fried steaks i don't know if you can get much better chicken fried steak than in restaurants in oklahoma but the daily oklahoman one time put out a top 50 
chicken fried steaks in the state of Oklahoma. My friends used to tease me about this. My dad's got named 32nd best chicken fry in Oklahoma. <laughs> so we've, we've been around for months going 32nd best. All right, so let me, <laughs> so let me ask you, chicken fried steak, wh- what makes it, what's going to make it the best? Is it the gravy, you know, the breading, or the meat? I think the... I think the breading is key. Instead of deep, I agree. The, you know what? A lot of people will just deep fry their chicken fried steak. Right. My dad never deep fried it. He kept a pot of grease on the grill, cooked mm-hmm. on a flat grill, you know? Yep. And he would butter it. And, you know, he had a pretty good little flour thing that he had right. mixed in there with some spices and stuff. But he would egg it, egg the meat, butter do it two times, put it on the grill, on, on grease, and just keep the grease on top of it and let it cook on the grill. Yeah. It is so much better than just dropping it in a deep fry. Um, well, if you don't do it right and drop it in the deep fryer, that's when you uh, you cut into it and the breading just falls right off yeah. of it. Yeah. And yep. now you got a pile of breading and you got a cubed steak with nothing on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I agree. It's about the about the breading. All right, pizza. You're going anywhere in Salina for a pizza right now? Where would you go? It's pretty tough because I'm not a real b- big pizza crazy guy what well let me let me let me say this okay so it kind of depends on what i'm doing and what mood i'm in because i think it's hard to beat the scheme pizza from an atmosphere standpoint with friends and, and getting together and everything like that if i'm sitting at home my house and i'm have no intentions of getting out and doing anything i'm just gonna sit and watch football on sunday i'm probably calling big cheese there you go that's my i boy. mean I, i'm just saying so i i don't want to pick one over the other but if, if if we're all taking our friends and family out and we're going to go out on a Friday night, I'm saying we're going to the scheme. Does Jimmy bring um, the big cheese ones to his – when we do Monday Night Football? Every time. Yeah. They, they are good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the kid, with our kids, because you know what they always go to, Little Caesars. And that's yeah. another guy. If you've ever been down there, the guy that runs Little Caesars, he lives there. Yep. Oh yeah, he works his butt yeah, off. He's a good guy. Yeah, 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 really good guy. What's his name? Tom. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another Ambuck. Super yep. good guy and works his butt off down there. Although you know he's making cheap five dollar pizzas, he's not going to put together a pizza the way the scheme puts together a pizza or anything like that. Right. But yeah, it's completely but different situation. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's kids, a different kids deal. Pizza, more or less. Yeah. Oh, and don't don't. I mean, I've ate my share of Little Caesars in this town. So I'm. Oh yeah, we have too. We I think we eat them about every night, don't we? And the breadsticks. Oh, that crazy bread. Mm. Yeah. Well, we were talking about big cheese and and uh, so scheme of big cheese. I'm 100% with Paul on this one. Obviously, Tuesday night, I don't have an option for the scheme, but I'm just gonna go hang out with some friends, have a few drinks, good pizza, love it. But At big the cheese. Scheme. Well, I'll tell you what, a little sleeper. Um, New bowling alley. What? The pizza there is pretty darn really? good. So You know, it's another thing goes back to that service. We've only went twice, and we sat there like 30 minutes to get waited on. They, just had, they had no help at all. And so once you go once or twice and that happens to you, I just haven't been back. Well, I'll tell you a funny story about the bowling alley. And, again, we don't – I mean, it's it's the only bowling alley in town. Yeah. So yeah. not a lot of options there. But uh, <laughs> so we uh, – one Monday a month at work, we have just a company lunch, just get together, talk about stuff. So right before Christmas, we thought, hey, let's let's go bowling alley and have a little fun and bowl for a little bit after lunch. So the the Thursday before, our our office manager called to reserve some tables and some lanes. Left a message, nobody called her back. She called Friday, left a message, nobody called her back. She called Monday. Somebody answered the phone, said, well, I want to, you know, reserve a big, we got a big group coming in, I want to reserve a big table, I want to reserve a couple bowling lanes, you know, I don't know what, what you guys, I know you have leagues and stuff like that during the week, and, and so we just want to get some reservations down, we got a company coming, we don't take reservations the day of, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they were so busy. Well, uh, I think they've gone through three problem. managers already, and yeah. it's only been open about that. So that's a little scary well, there. Well, do you think a, a a new restaurant or something like the new bowling alley in town? Do you think it's kind of like college football and a new coach? Do you think we give them enough time sometimes to get their staff and 
and get it in there and, and give them a chance to maybe fail a little bit but learn from their mistakes I, and get I the people in? I'll, I'll do that. I mean, I understand if I'm going on week two that there's going to be problems. Right. And I'm not going to not go back to a place because of that. Right. But in this scenario of five months, I'd say you probably have, have had some time to work out those kinks. You, yeah, I, I think I think definitely. And, you know, by six months, you you got to land personnel. But – and because uh, I've always said that about – college football and today you know must win now must you know produce the good product on the field and you know you hire a great coach and if they're turning over their offensive defensive scheme and then they go you know two and ten and they're fired you know in two years did they have enough time well i mean it could be like that in the restaurant business or the i'm service sure it industry, is absolutely you know yep. You definitely have to have the right people involved in it. Um, you know, if you don't, it, it's it's not going to help. And, and you know, it's an interesting time when in Salina right now we've got two new restaurants that are some point in the near future, within the next couple of months, I would think, are going to be opening. And it's, uh, in, in my opinion, and in, in my understanding, I mean, I've been to Yaya's in Wichita and Kansas mm-hmm. City, so I understand the product that they're bringing to Salina. Right. Um, you know, the, the new Barolo Grill with Jason and Kevin, that – I'm excited about that one. It, it'll be interesting to, to – I don't know anything about their menu and that sort of stuff, what they're going to do. But, uh, you know, I think that more fine dining type of scenario is yeah. not something we have a lot of in Salina. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works with, with some of the things we're talking about where we have problems with, like, Longhorns and those. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how that all pans out with those two new places here in town. What is a Yaya? I haven't heard that. Oh, it's uh, – it's, uh, it's in Wichita, it's like a uh, Bradley Fair. Yeah, it's it's. I think they consider it Mediterranean. Yeah, they have wood fired pizza, but they have all kinds of stuff. It's Chicken where's steaks. It be located? It's in the Homewood Suites uh, Hotel downtown. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be the restaurant okay. there. Okay. No, it it is a nice place. I've been to the one in Wichita. Um, we've actually got one uh, in Arkansas. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So no, they're they're nice places. I tell you what, you know, talking about the new restaurants going in downtown. You know, before I left, I was. Um, I was on um, a board, and, and we talked a lot about the, the Dune projects that everybody's seeing, you know, coming alive now downtown. And it is impressive for me to come back and, and being removed about a year and a half now to see what's the transformation that's taking place and, and really that vision of, of, uh, of a lot of people coming, coming to life. And so uh, I think everybody behind that needs to be congratulated. I get that there's probably been kinks and things that, you know, could have, should have, would have situations, but – uh, downtown's looking nice, and I think it's an exciting time for you guys. Oh, it absolutely is, and and you know the the linchpin I think in all of that was the field house. And Philip and I've talked a little right. bit about this off outside of the podcast, but uh, you know personally, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, I have a 13 year old daughter who is at the field house all the time, whether it's basketball, volleyball, softball. We do a lot of softball practices um, with the turf in there. Mm-hmm. Um, going to watch friends play. I mean, I'm, I'm there quite a few times a month, and I know there is a, a, a large segment of the of the community, um, some people that do some Facebook videos that were against it yeah. and are still against it. And I find that the people that I talk to that are that have been against it don't have kids that are yeah. utilized or grandkids or right. or something that's utilizing that facility, so they don't go there all the time, and so they just see this big building. Kind of like the softball field situation, and right. and, and I mean, they, you know, I think I mentioned this on the podcast. My daughter plays quite a bit of softball, and we go to parks all over the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm. And Bill Burke is great. I mean, the fields are great; they're usually in very good shape. But but the concession stand, the the restrooms, the amenities, I guess, along with it, are, are the worst that, that of almost every place we've been. We're just playing in a, a tournament this fall. And uh, the lady didn't know me from anybody. It was a team from Topeka that was playing, and we were kind of standing uh, uh, on the fence, on the, on the right field, right uh, baseline fence, a little ways away from her. And I and she had just came back from the restroom, and she leans over to her husband and says, dude, these are the worst facilities I've ever been in in a softball tournament. The, the, the sink leaked. There was no toilet paper. There yep. was no paper towels. It's brutal. Yeah, D- Dean Evans' restrooms have gotten to the point where they just should be tore down. Yeah, well, they're just antiquated, and uh, and I'm sure if you go to all these other facilities, like you say, around the state, so much nice. I don't have a kid that goes and does anything downtown. Don't really have a connection to downtown, but whenever I have anybody in town, my brothers or anything come over here, mm-hmm. 
downtown is a place you can take people and be proud of your town for at exactly. this point. Didn't used to be that way, right. but today you can take them down there. We talked about the uh, Christmas parade. Yeah. There were literally thousands and thousands of people this year at the Christmas parade. Unbelievable yeah. amounts of people. Well, you know, and you guys have a different perspective than me. I mean, you both have kids. I don't have any kids. So me hanging out at a, you know, youth sporting event is going to be a little weird, right? Well, <laughs> it, if I'm going to leave that comment alone. I know, right? <laughs> but my point is this. It's 2020. You're fooling yourself if you don't see – Youth sports and athletics is a huge revenue generator for a community. Yep. And you will not get those opportunities without the right planning facilities and, and, and community involvement. It's not just the parents that have to, you know, support this whole thing. It's the, the people that maybe they have grandkids now. Maybe they have no kids now. But the business leaders of the community and, and the, the citizens that live there, they have to see that as an opportunity because – your hotels, your restaurants, your 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 retail markets, everybody benefits from these events when they're done correctly with the right facilities. Yep. You know, the, the ladies down at the Chamber of Commerce do a great job with uh, running the uh, 4A softball and 4A baseball tournament here in town. And without the city doing something, I have a great fear we'll lose it's 4A going, baseball. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, uh, this year we, we only got one day in, got rained out the second day, Ended up moving it to Wichita. Yep. They were able to play in Wichita because mm -hmm. they had the turf. And, you know, the 4A themselves to look at that and say, why are we going to Salina? Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you're gonna, if you get rained out, it backs up everybody's right there near the uh, Memorial Day weekend. is almost right whenever they right. do it every year. And they don't want to back the tournament up into the whole weekend. And uh, I, I think that the people down here probably have the fear. And it's not out of them not working their butts off trying to keep it. Just the facilities itself is why we'll lose it. Yeah. If we do, let's hope, cross yeah. our fingers and hope we don't well, lose uh, it. Well, fortunately, I mean, over the last 10 years, let's say, I mean, I, I think that there's been a lot of people in the community that have that have seen a lot of these things and, and had that vision and have helped with fundraising and some mm -hmm. of those kind of things to get some of the stuff done. Because if the city did have to fund it a hundred percent, no way that these projects right. are happening. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's the chicken and the egg conversation, right? So, right. you know, do you have to have these events to afford the, the upgrades and the additions to the facilities, or do you need to make the improvements first to get that? And it, it's a tough call for a community, whether it's, you know, publicly funded or privately funded, but, but decisions like that have to be made and, and be strategic as you can. There's there's always going to be risk associated with it. But if you build it, he will come. You would, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, where's the cornfield and the baseball field? I mean, you saw what happened in that movie. Oh, uh, did, did you see that the Yankees are playing there this this year? Yeah. Uh, One game Yankees there at the, at, in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> the great Yankees. I'm driving to Iowa to see it. They're, only get, they, they're putting temporary stands around right. it. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think that ticket's going to run? Uh, it'd be pretty high. Because, I mean, <laughs> it's you know limited what? seating. I made it you to Jeter's last game. I think I can make it to Open this. Open to the first yeah. 200 people. <laughs> right. I want one of those How much do you think the beer's going to cost? Of Garrett Coe. Gonna do you think the me? beer's going to be like uh, $20 beer? You know, last time I was there, it was uh, $9. $9 now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've paid $12 for a beer at a concert. Now, I mean... It was a great concert, and the beer was, I guess, cold. Keeps you from drinking very many. <laughs> After a couple, it doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. So. Well, hey, this is uh, we're just about to wrap this up. Uh, one other thing I wanted to just talk about briefly, and I'm not getting paid to endorse this product. There's no sponsorship. Well, if they want to call me and do a sponsorship, I'd be more than happy to. But uh, I, I got some Christmas money over the uh, over the holiday, and I went out and bought one of those Blackstone griddles. Yeah, I've been looking at them for a couple of years. Finally pulled the trigger. You guys have any experience on any of those? No. Or tried any any of those? No. What is it? So uh, if I was explaining it to you, picture Daimaru. Yeah. Griddle. Oh yeah. But portable. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I've got one at the lake. Okay. And, uh, and what what the great thing about it is, and uh, my neighbors next door to me, we all we all are in RVs, mm -hmm. but. Um, but I've got a big covered porch, so we, we keep it on my porch. But my my uh, 
cousins and all all come over. I can make breakfast for ten. Oh, so good. Oh yeah, ten people and just knock it out. I can have pancakes and bacon and eggs all going at the same yep. time. Mine's yeah. about four foot wide, something like that. And I, and at lunch, I even made hamburgers. And I can you can make. Good lord, I can make Enough. sixteen hamburgers yeah. at yeah. Oh, one yeah. time. Yep. It's the the griddle is a very convenient option, especially for breakfast if you've got multiple people. That you mentioned burgers. Uh cooking a burger on a griddle adds a different flavor than if it's grilled. Oh, yeah. And 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 I can appreciate both. I don't know which where I land on it from a a griddle or a grill perspective. But uh, they are very handy, and uh, you can do some good things with you, it. Do you have four burners on yours? So I, my pellet grill that I have, I used to have a big one. Mm-hmm. And the twice a year I used all of that cooking space was great. But the other hundred times a year when I didn't need that, I'm sitting there thinking, man, how many pellets am I wasting keeping this huge grill at 450 degrees for these two little baked potatoes or whatever. Yeah. So in this scenario, I went the other way, and I thought, I'm just going to get the small one, just the three of us, the two times a year that I would want the bigger one, not going to be a big deal. That way I'm not burning propane with four burners, and and I'm telling you right now, I'm already regretting getting the small one. Yeah. I'd yeah. say the, the one we've got, Scott, I think it's either got four or five burner spots, you know, so you can turn on. But when you're cooking those hamburgers, you can put – Three of them on. The other two get warm enough that you can put butter on your hamburger right. buns and oh, put yeah. them out there, and they'll toast right up. You'll have well, toasted, toasted well, bread. Uh, I, I love it. In I, the last year, I've got back to cooking with charcoal. Yeah, I, I got a uh, a Weber like Pro Series, so it's it's actually big enough to where if you're smarter than me, I guess maybe you can smoke with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it regulates yep. temperature real well. But there's nothing like getting a good flavored charcoal you know a hickory or or something like that and putting in there and grilling some steaks or burgers chicken i mean and uh, because i've got a i've got a large gas grill that i really enjoy cooking on but i kind of wanted to mix it up and get back to some of that flavor more flavorful food and man i'm telling you it's hard to beat well and and i you're talking about the burgers if i'm doing burger steak something like that i like that crust on the outside of it Mm -hmm. um there's a flavor that pellet grills give steaks that i like but you just can't, I mean, now they have some of them where you can get kits and things like that, but you just can't get that crust on it mm-hmm. that you can on a on a flat top. Yeah, right. And but I do. And so I've been I've been using charcoal for ten years because when I cook burgers and steaks and and those sort of things, um, I would typically do charcoal. But I haven't done steaks and on on this griddle yet. Uh, I'm going to do that tonight actually, yeah. and I'm I'm sure they're going to be good. I'm not I'm not concerned about that. But to be honest with you, I'm not sure I'm going to need my charcoal grill anymore. We'll see because you were talking about like the smoke and stuff right. like that, and there is an element to that that the griddle mm-hmm. doesn't provide. I was watching the YouTube video. I've been watching all kinds of YouTube videos on people doing stuff, and there's a guy that'll do the steak on the on the griddle at a very high temperature to get that crust, and then you know like you know I'm talking about like cooling racks. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, you put one of those on the on the on the griddle, turn the temperature to low, put that steak on there. And then he puts some some smoked wood chips and puts like a pan over the oh, top yeah. to get a little bit of a yep. smoky flavor. So you can yeah. still do that. It's just a little more work. It's all yeah. about that sear. I mean oh, yeah. it, it yep. I mean locking that flavor in and, and getting that sear, I mean that's that's a beautiful thing. I did. I, I I uh I think I enjoy breakfast more than anything on ours. Yeah. I did that the I, other I just night. I love getting up and yep. making a huge ha- breakfast. Hash browns, pancakes, oh, yeah, and sausage. It, all. it was great. Get, get your pancakes done on one side and your bacon cooking on the other. I mean, I'm I'm subject to have a few adult beverages and start trying to be like some of Jason's folks down there at Dimeroo and <laughs> throwing knives yep. around. I might be missing some fingers I don't know on what that. Right. I, I always try to find that Coca-Cola sauce that they – what is that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Japanese Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> Japanese Coca- I never can find that at the store. I'm always trying to find it. And- no. Well, I made salmon on it the other night. That was my first meal that I made. Yeah. And Morgan has had salmon maybe once or twice in her life. Not a fan. She ate all of her piece and half of mine. So it's the best salmon she's ever had. That's awesome. So it's, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, it, it, for our listeners out there, if you've ever been thinking about it, pull the trigger and do it. I, I've been fighting this for two years. And the one thing I was worried about, the, the one reason I didn't ever do it is because I thought, clean up is going to be a pain in the ass oh, no. and it's so easy you spray oh some water on there yeah. scrape it we have a, a little brick, oil you're done we have a i was raised on one so uh because that's what we cooked at had our restaurant was those big yep. grills but uh there's a big brick that you can buy that just oh, yeah. scrubs yep. it right off and yep yeah 
I haven't thrown out to my uh, – I didn't buy the uh, grill, so I don't want to take well, full credit for this. My brother, Stephen, actually brought it as his donation to the lake. There so you go. Give him well, a little about credit six, for buying it. About six years ago for my large gas grill, I actually bought one of the one the, – the the griddles that you can put yep, on a, like a cast iron yeah, yeah 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 so i can i can do that same thing because again it adds a different flavor uh to some of the different meats or whatever you're cooking on there and it gives you some options but yeah cleanup is is if Snap. you do it right right away and don't let it sit i mean it's it's easy yeah well shout out to drew one of our loyal listeners a friend of mine uh He's the one as my company christmas party we were talking about it and he was he's had one for quite some time and he's the one that pushed me over the edge and talked me into doing it. So thanks, Drew, for uh, pushing me to do that. It's been great. So One morning we'll do this podcast over breakfast, and you can cook for us. <laughs> we should have done that this morning. So I'm, I'm actually – I got some friends coming over tonight. So I bought uh, – about a year ago, but I bought some A5 Wagyu steaks. Mm. So I've, I've had one of them by myself. Best steak I've ever had yeah. in my life. I mean, the, the box showed up with – have you got I mean, straight from Japan. Right, have you got them soaking right now. So, uh, it's 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 getting happy up there right now. It is. You know, just a little bit of salt. Good. And uh, I did it in cast iron last time yeah. on the stove, but I'm going to do it on the griddle tonight. Hey, that, I used to work for before I bought Express this Express uh, franchise. I worked for the man who started the company, Bob Funk, and he uh, he gave me for Christmas one year. Um, just lucky draw. You just drew a number out of a hat, and you got whatever the gift was. But my gift was 12 steaks a month, every month for the whole year. Hmm. The most unbelievable steaks. comes like Omaha the steaks or whatever they were. <laughs> the whole year. We had, uh, I'd say we had steak parties once a month. We'd just say, everybody would come over. I didn't get invited steaks. to any of those. Yeah, I missed no, that Now, this is back when I lived in Oklahoma. <laughs> well, you, you talked I about a my own cast iron skillet a second ago. <laughs> a, a guy I work with, we, we got in this conversation about the best burgers, right, and and how to cook it. The way he cooks his burger every single time is it's seventy three twenty seven meat, mm -hmm. and he only does it on a cast iron skillet on the stove. Yep. He said he said that's by far the best Who's way this? to do it. This guy I work oh, with yeah. down in, down in Little Rock. Yeah. And, and where he got this um, was from. Uh, he lived in Memphis uh, for a number of years. And there was uh, a restaurant down there that's famous uh, for their uh, for their burgers, and that's how he did it, and that's how it, that's why he started doing it. I have yet to try it, but uh, I love a good hamburger. Do you so have a good cast iron pot or? Grill? I do. Do you have yep. a good one? I don't. I think I discarded because I I think I uh, uh, I had one a while back. I actually had a cast iron griddle, and then I had a cast iron um, pot. You know, essentially. But uh, I don't have one anymore. I, I, you know, just even making chili in a mm -hmm. big oh, yeah. cast iron pot is so much better than yep. cornbread. Why it makes a difference? Oh, but it actually makes yep. a difference. Oh yeah. Yep. So I might have need to try the cast iron hamburger. Well, it's done. the same. I mean, there's a reason that you, everybody's favorite hamburgers are always those greasy spoon on the uh -huh. griddle. Yep. Put some butter down and just fry that yep. burger. Makes a hell of a mess inside the house, but on a right. griddle outside, I'm all about that. So, well, there's our recipe of the week. Set of recipe of the week. Since I didn't prepare for that, go out and buy a Blackstone griddle. Tell them I sent you. <laughs> That's awesome. Where'd you buy yours? Walmart. Walmart. All right. So, yep. Just uh, it, it's funny. I went to the website and Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Menards, Ace Harbor. Everybody has them. But uh, so I went to Menards, and they, all they had was a floor model. They didn't have any in stock. Went to Lowe's. They didn't have any. Ended up at Walmart. Um, Sounds like a popular so, item. Yep, it was. So I'm sure a lot of people did. You'll you have to buy a few accessories with it, though. I'm sure we're getting close to our hour, right, to start wrapping up. But yep. before we do, I want to thank Paul here. Yeah. Have a few more words, Paul, if yeah, you'd Paul, like. Yeah, you got but the You got, you got the, the mic, but we, we sure enjoy having you. Wish you still lived here. We miss you. Yeah. And uh, everybody that gets to hear you, uh, uh by the way, we never did. I don't think he ever said his last name. This is Paul Roberts, by the way. <laughs> One and only. No, guys, it's it's been a treat uh, being here. And like I said, I feel honored to be your first guest. And uh, We don't have any prizes for that. Dang it. I thought I was looking for a gift we card. We should get some koozies. We should order some koozies. Koozies would be I mean, I, I don't know if I'd use a koozie. I mean, I barely. No, I probably yeah. would. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's it's a treat coming back here to Salina and, and seeing all the good people. And, um, you know. Uh, we sat around last night. We cheers the 2020, um, and uh, and just really good friendships. And I appreciate you guys. Uh, we've all had some some good times over the years, and 
you know, you guys are doing a good thing here. I like the conversation and listening to y'all and, and, uh, sounds like the, the following is growing, uh, you know, pretty soon it'll be a thousand listeners and 2000 listeners. And I, I can't wait for that for, uh, for you guys. We can have Skip a sponsor and Shannon here. Yeah. The next Skip and Shannon. There you go. Yeah. Well, um, I hope we don't act like that. <laughs> well, I I hope I get an invite back uh, at some point. Um, like I said, I've enjoyed this, and um, I appreciate you guys putting up with me, and I uh, hope you guys have a great uh, great year this year. Uh, that, Happy New Year, everyone. Absolutely, 2020. Well, that wraps up episode number six. We'll be back in a couple weeks uh, doing the next one. Not sure what the topics will be yet, but uh, – Follow us on Facebook, and and we'll put that out there as soon as we decide what we want to talk about next. Have a great 2020. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Kevin and Philip Project Podcast. If you would like more information about our podcast, guests, and to join in on the discussion, please visit our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash Kevin Phillip Project. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends about us.